21 of the Shark Bites Podcast, a Throwdown Thursday production. I am your host, Patrick Rayhope. You can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And this week on the program, I will be discussing the trip Ashes and I took last week to the Mystic Aquarium in Mystic, Connecticut. Yeah, don't let the name fool you. There were no wizards. There were no paladins. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed when we went to the Mystic Diner and there was no, like, sea witches or anything like that there. But because uh, everything makes it seem, because everything is named Mystic something or other, uh, makes it seem like there is some sort of uh, magical quality to it. And don't get me wrong, it's a really nice little place. Uh, I enjoy the town. I enjoyed the uh, the aesthetic overall. I enjoyed going to the the uh, aquarium, of course. But you know, just adding Mystic to something just makes it seem that much more magical. But, uh, you know, if you went to, like, the Mystic Tire Shop, like, you know, it's not quite as magical as you might might imagine. However, uh, the aquarium where I hadn't been in, I don't know, forever. I think the last time I was in Mystic, I was uh, 14, uh, somewhere around there. We went to Mystic Seaport. I don't know if I'd been to the aquarium before. But if I had, it had been about 25 years or so. But uh, yeah, Ashes and I went last week, and uh, we headed down there because, you know, we were originally going to go down to uh, Wicked Weekend a day early, and uh, where we were going to stay is actually directly across from the aquarium, which I thought was pretty awesome. But uh, even though Wicked Weekend unfortunately did not happen, uh, we still wanted to make the trip down and go to the aquarium and, and see some of the stuff that they had down there. And we sort of lucked out. It was kind of chilly, but it wasn't super, super cold, which is good because a lot of this stuff is outside, which makes it ideal for uh, you know warmer weather uh, excursions. But uh, the first thing we did once we got there is we went down to the beluga tanks, and they have three beluga whales there. One of them is uh, my age, 38, and a couple of them are much younger. I didn't quite hear the entire uh, the entire spiel because they have someone there, you know, constantly just like repeating facts like, hey, these are our, our belugas, they're this old, they're this big, you know, the basic, basic information about the animals. And unfortunately, the uh, person with whom uh, we were interacting a little bit when we first got there, the one who had the uh, the microphone... Uh, the microphone wasn't working 100%. We encountered the same thing over at the uh, the Penguin exhibit. It just, um, for whatever reason, their microphone wasn't very loud. So, you know, if you were standing more than like five, six feet away, you know, with all the kids running around because it was school vacation week, it was uh, very difficult to hear what they were saying. So, you know, uh, eventually other people came over, you know, because they switched shifts because it was kind of chilly out. And if you're just standing there, um, you know, and it was a little bit windy, like that could get, uh, that could get really cold really quickly. So I'm glad they switched people out on a fairly regular basis. So there were three belugas. Um, again, I, like I said, I, I forget their name, but one of them was very, very large. And I just assumed that was the older one and that the, the smaller ones were the uh, younger ones, but I was wrong. The largest one there was the one male and, um, 
he was still sort of young, and you could tell that he was young because apparently, and I I didn't know this, when belugas are born, they are like a brown or a gray, and as they get older, their uh, skin turns white, and you know you see the uh, typical you know white beluga coloring that uh, that you know everyone's familiar with. However, as they grow, this sort of fades. And it almost looked like on a couple of them, at first I thought they were maybe injuries, uh, where you could see, it almost looked like like if you, uh, you, if you paint something and the paint starts to chip off and you can kind of see the uh, original base color underneath, that's sort of what it looked like. So I thought, okay, maybe there was an injury, maybe it rubbed up against something, maybe it's molting, I don't know. But it turns out it just hadn't completely turned white yet. This thing... Uh, he he was about I don't know, I want to say about twelve thirteen feet long. I don't know how much he weighed at least a ton. Um, so, according to Mystic Aquarium about the uh, their their little fact sheet that they have on belugas, which is really cool. So if you want to check out more on this, go to uh, Mystic Aquarium's website. It says they can uh, males can reach about thirty five hundred pounds, but the average is about sixteen hundred to twenty five hundred pounds. Females slightly smaller, uh, they're 11 to 13 feet and weigh between 11 and 2,000 pounds. So males can get between 12 and 15 feet. This one was definitely within that range. I'd say he was about 13. I don't. I would just. That's just me guessing. And 2,000 pounds. Of course, I have no idea. You know, I, I, again, I'm just. I'm just keep guessing <laughs> what he weighed, but he was definitely bigger than the uh, the other two. So. What I found very interesting about these guys is they're, especially this one in particular, very playful, very hammy. Uh, and before I get into like some of the antics, the most fun thing I learned about them is that that, that big round uh, like bulbous protrusion on the top of their head is literally called a melon. I thought that was awesome. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was super funny. Um so this guy, uh, people kept standing in front of, um, like there was, uh, the way the tank is built in, there's kind of like a ramp that slopes down on the side, so you can get kind of like an overhead view of them when they're swimming back and forth, and then you walk down the ramp a little bit, and uh, it's very well done. It's, it makes it look like it's all like chiseled out of uh, you know a larger rock, and like there's fake barnacles painted on. It's really, really cool, um, but you get to... Uh, see the uh, the way it slopes down so you can see into the tank and this larger beluga kept coming over to the side of the tank and you know he'd make smiley faces at us you know like there would be kids standing there like there were so many parents trying to get like the perfect picture of their kids standing and like have the the beluga come by and photobomb the uh, the kids with his mouth open like he was smiling and going, hey! You know, like, it was really, really funny. And uh, Ashes and I both got a couple of pictures of that. And, and you know, obviously that's, uh, that w- those are really cool pictures because it seems like it's, you know, something that you could do over and over again Like because he he was so hammy and he kept doing it. He kept swimming by everybody and, like, smiling at him. At one point he actually uh, swam up to the surface of the water and there were some people crowded over um, just to the left of where we were standing. Um. And no, it wasn't our left. It was the, the it was his left, our right. I'm trying to remember exactly where we were because we went all over the place. So it was yeah, to the right of us, 
and he like went up a little bit to the surface and kind of splashed over the the guardrail not a lot but you know enough and it just missed him kids it's like well i'm glad he didn't get him because that uh it was pretty cold out so um like i said not super super cold but cold enough where like if you got splashed with a significant amount of water like you'd be very uncomfortable if you didn't have a change of clothes like readily available um yeah, it was really cool, like, seeing these guys, and, like, they're very majestic, and we noticed they kept, like, you know, they would swim, and they would spin upside down, and they would swim uh, with their, their bellies up, which I thought was kind of cool. I was like, oh, I don't know why they do that. Like, maybe that's a, a hunting thing. Uh, another thing I noticed was, uh, like, he kept coming up to the glass, and he would kind of, like, push his, uh, his head up against the glass where his melon is. And uh, it would kind of flatten up against the glass. I He did that a lot. I don't know if that was something that he enjoyed doing or if it feels nice or he just, like, was trying to get closer. Or and I, I didn't ask anybody about that. But I did find out about the uh, upside-down swimming, which I'll get to in a, a couple of minutes. Uh, so from there, so obviously Ashley is a huge, huge, huge uh, fan of the penguins. Uh, we made our way over to the penguin habitat. But before we got there, we had to pass the seals and the sea lions. So the seals were over there, and we noticed there was... Uh, I was trying to count them, but it was it was so hard because I kept zipping back and forth. And there was like six or seven of them. Uh, they all have obviously different names. There's a couple of different uh, species. There was the fur seals, the harbor seals, you know, stuff like that. And there were definitely size differences. And, you know, uh, one of them, uh, the, uh, the young lady that was there told us... Um, about because they were swimming upside down too. I'm like, you know, is like, what's what's the deal with that? And the first woman that was there wasn't quite sure, and she's like, oh, you know, she was very knowledgeable, but she didn't know that specific thing. And the the young lady that came over to relieve her was like, oh yeah, that's you know, they do that because they're happy. And I was like, all right, that makes sense because you know, if your dog rolls over, your cat rolls over to show you their stomach, you know, they're safe and secure and they're happy. And you know, the beluga and the seals were the exact same way, like they would show you their belly if they were safe and happy. So that that's a good thing, like because every single one of them would do that. Uh, but we saw like some of the, the little ones were swimming around next to the big ones. And the uh, I guess one of the big ones is blind or just about blind. So he had a really hard time seeing and getting around, but he has the, the tank navigated perfectly so he can swim around he knows where everything is he doesn't bump into anything except when the little ones swim around next to him and they'll like kind of throw him off because they'll nudge against him like trying to hang out with him and you know they said he's definitely a big grumpy grandpa uh then we went over to the next uh tank and that was the uh the sea lions which are much much bigger and they uh the biggest one weighed about a thousand pounds and his name is astro and uh, they were telling us all the different stories about how some of these uh, how some of these uh, uh, animals came to be at the the aquarium, you know whether it was you know they were sick and they got rehabilitated but they just weren't able to be released into the wild, you know like they I don't want to say domesticated because that's not the right word, but they didn't have the proper uh, um, development to survive in the wild, like they could go out there but they would just. Uh, something bad would happen to them immediately because they just didn't develop with other uh, other members of their species. Similar to like if you have, you know, tigers and lions that were born and bred in captivity, you can't release them into the wild because they just don't have the survival instincts or the ability. Like they don't have that training. You know, they didn't grow up in the wild, so they, they wouldn't know how to behave 
um, is similar to to these to these uh, animals. So the big guy, his name is Astro, and he apparently they found him. I think it was in Alaska, and although I may be mixing some of my locations up because we heard about eight or nine different stories from the different different uh, uh, animals, and so he got separated from his mother and when they found him they knew he had been separated from his mother because he still had his umbilical cord attached so he was about a day old so they were able to kind of rehab him and you know get his strength up and get him back out into the wild and then a short time later now remember uh he's a thousand pounds so when he was a baby he's about 100 150 pounds so he's a big baby uh so a short time later they find him again and he's beached himself again. And I didn't know this, but I, I, I learned, you know, again, asking tons of questions because I like learning about this stuff. The uh, the sea lions, even though it looks like their flippers aren't really, you know, sturdy enough, they can walk for miles and miles and miles on land. Like, they don't care. They can just go and, you know, I was kind of like, you know, how, you know, how good are they walking because, you know, they have these flippers and flippers aren't the same as like you know hooves or 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 like an elephant's foot or like a human's foot you know in order to get around on land like they're they're not designed for that and the the young lady working there was like no 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 like they don't ever have to go in the water like they can if they want to spend their entire lives on land they can they can get back and forth so that you know she was telling us stories about how you know a lot of these animals will get lost and get beached because they will go up on the beach and you know the certain beaches will have like snack shacks and stuff especially if it's a big tourist place and the <laughs> the sea lions will go up like oh I'll let me find your fries oh you have fries oh you know let me put in an order of onion rings and they'll go towards the food but they'll get lost and not be able to find their way back to the water so they'll just seek out food now with Astro, they think that what happened because he was found so young that he imprinted on people and was just like, I feel way more comfortable around peeper people peeper, way more comfortable around people than I do around other sea lions. So I'm gonna go hang out with some people. So they found him. Uh, I think when he was about a year old, he was like 400 pounds, and they they were like, No, no, we gotta we gotta bring you back. So they brought him back to the ocean, and then the third time. <laughs> They found him. He was at a high school following people around the, the, the track at the high school. Just, I mean, and that's that's fine. Like, you know, you'd, you'd think like, oh, I'm just a little playful, you know, sea lion. I'm just going to be at the at the uh, at the track. And it's like, oh, that's so cute. It's like, no, these things have big, sharp teeth. They are, you know, eight to ten feet long and they weigh a thousand pounds. Like if you see something like that coming at you, you're going to run. That's not cute. Uh, I mean, you know that you know it's this is a wild animal like yes it's cute like oh look at them they're sea puppies yes they're cute and they're nice but they're still wild animals you know so they were like all right this guy clearly just wants to be around people we can't have him out in the wild so they brought him and they uh, had him at the aquarium apparently the uh, and i learned this i didn't i had no clue about this but uh I was like, you know, how did they get them here? Like, they, you know, some of these animals are coming from Alaska. They're coming from all over the world. Like, the penguins are all South African penguins. So I'm like, oh, there must be, like, some specific company that goes and gets the 
gets the animals and transports them. Yeah, there is a specific company. It's fucking FedEx. FedEx is what brings all these animals all over the world. Like, they have a specific division for, like, chartering flights for sea life. It's awesome. I had no idea about that. But, uh, again, fun facts we learned from uh, being at the the, uh, aquarium. So from there, we went over to the penguin enclosure. And apparently these penguins, they're South African penguins, so they actually prefer warmer water, or, or warmer temperatures, I should say. And most of them were just, like, kind of hanging out on a uh, on the little rocky outcrop that uh, is in the middle of their uh, enclosure. Or not enclosure, but their, like, little habitat. Obviously, they, have, they can bring them inside, bring them outside, so... You know, none of the animals will get too, too cold. Like, if it's cold and snowing and raining and wet, like, you know, you don't want to have these animals outside. Like, they can, you know, bring them in and help them be warm. So, like, there's an indoor and outdoor side for all of these all of these animals. Um, so the penguins, uh, they all have, like, little beads, like a little thing on their on their wing. And the little beads tell them, you know, like, different things. Like, if it's, if there's, like, a pink bead, then it's a female. It's a blue bead. There's, uh, it's a male, and then there's like three or four beads after that, and each one of those beads represents different things. And I di- again, I didn't hear everything because uh, the the microphone that this person was using kept cutting in and out, like it would work, then it wouldn't, then it would, then it wouldn't. But she, no, she tried to project as best as she could. But we were on the other side. It was you know, again, it wasn't super crowded, but it was. Uh, there were enough people where, you know, we weren't like you know wedged into you know, our spot, but, you know, we couldn't get as close as we might have liked. Um, and I noticed that they were kind of shivering. I'm like, oh, they look like they're shivering. That's weird. You know, because you think penguins, you think, you know, Antarctic, you know, temperatures, like they should be fine. But these guys like it uh, around 25 degrees is kind of their threshold. They like, they're like, yeah, a little, little colder than that is bad. They like it to be a little warmer. Um which I thought was interesting. So it, when I thought they were shivering, they actually were. Um, they also had, uh, they were feeding them, which was kind of cool. And some of them were like jumping around and swimming. You know, Ash got some good video of them. But I I, I didn't know that. I thought that was kind of cool. So we then went inside and we saw all these different, uh, you know, uh, exhibits. You know, they had some frogs and things. They had a dinosaur exhibit, which I thought was kind of cool, you know, with some animatronic dinosaurs. Um they had some uh, some crabs, some like big like underwater crabs. Uh, obviously, underwater crabs, but like the uh, spider crabs. That's where I couldn't think of it. And there was like this little thing where you could like go underneath if you were a child. You could go underneath, and there was like a little uh, bubble dome where you could stand up and look 360 degrees and see all like the little baby crabs. So of course, I tried getting in there, and Ash has a picture of me doing that. And I whacked my head like three times because it was not designed for a man of my carriage it was designed for a child and there were a couple kids that were like oh, i'm kind of scared to go in there i'm like i already went in there like it's kind of cool like you go in you stand oh i couldn't stand but go in, you stand up there's all little baby crabs like it's really cool you should go in there you should try it so the kid you know reluctantly he ended up doing it and he liked it uh there was another thing where it would take your there was like this big screen this uh, uh vertical screen that would take your picture and put it on a random fish so I was like, oh, I'm doing that. And she's like, right, go nuts. So I did. And then the thing came up. It's like, congratulations, you're a paddlefish. So I was a paddlefish. And we were walking around. We saw some other displays. You know, like they had a ton of jellyfish displays. And some of these things, it's like, how are these living creatures? Like, <laughs> they don't look alive. Like, there were some some that were like almost uh, pyramid-shaped. 
and they just had like little lights running up and down the side. They looked like goddamn UFOs. And it was the coolest thing. It's like, these are living creatures. Like, it's so unbelievable to think that this is an actual living organism. It, it's it's so cool. And, like, we saw some of the other kinds. Uh, I, I don't even remember all the different types they had, but they were just so cool. So cool looking. And then we walk by, and we, there's this screen, and uh, there's, like, these little fish swimming by. It's a, you know, similar to the vertical screen that we saw Earlier, this was a horizontal screen, and I'm looking closer, and it's all the people who got their picture taken and got their faces put on fish. Uh, like you'd see the the right side of it had like a bunch of bubbles with the people's faces on it, and as the bubble reached the top of the screen, it would pop, and then your little fish would come by, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" And then my little paddlefish showed up. You know, some people were starfish, some people were uh, octopi, some people were sharks. Obviously, I wanted to be a shark, but I didn't get to choose, but. I took a picture of me as the paddlefish swimming around, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, and then we moved on. We saw, you know, the the nurse sharks that were in the same tank as the sand tiger sharks. And it was just so cool. Like, the sand tigers were just prowling. Like, you just look at them, and it's like, yeah, these are predators. These are hunters. These guys are awesome. Uh, the sand tigers, you know, they did their thing. They were circling up at the top. Then would kind of slowly spiral down as they swam around the tank. Uh, the nurse sharks just sort of like piled in a corner, and apparently that's what they do. They like to just pile up in the corner, and that's where they sleep. Uh, they they get to be pretty big. They get to be around 13 feet, uh, and this I didn't know. Uh, the range for uh, nurse sharks, uh, the eastern Pacific, western Atlantic, and the Atlantic, they go everywhere from Rhode Island to Florida, uh, into the Gulf, the, the Caribbean, all the way down to Brazil. So nurse sharks are pretty prevalent all up and down the the coast, which I thought was kind of cool. Unfortunately, not quite as close to where I go to the ocean, which is uh, Cape Cod. Uh, so that's a little bit further north than uh, than um, Rhode Island. You know, uh, I don't have an exact measurement, but it's it's a little bit further north, probably like a two hour drive, uh, depending on which points you go to. But I thought that was kind of cool. The sand tigers, though. Um, Sand tigers don't get to be as big. Uh, they can be, you know, six to nine feet, 300 pounds or so. But, like, they just look like predators. Like, they are just, they're scary looking. Like, they look like they mean business. Like, you just do not want to mess with them. The nurse sharks, while looking like sharks, also look, uh, they look more like uh rays because they have like the two little uh they almost look like vampire fangs they're like fleshy little protrusions that come off their top lip uh i mean obviously they look like sharks but they're not as intimidating looking as the sand tigers i think the sand tigers are one of the uh most intimidating looking uh predators in the ocean but i think they're kind of they're they're really cool looking and they kept swimming by and like they're very muscular and strong uh i just they're really really awesome uh these are also a type of uh the uh, the sand tigers are definitely a uh one of the ones that do the inter interuter intrauterine cannibalism because uh you know the so the mothers will have uh eggs hatch within their body so the young are born alive and they're their uh, gestation period it's like every uh two years uh two pups will be about three feet long and 
the biggest the biggest one will eat the rest of them. That's the uh, intrauterine cannibalism. I've talked about that before. Um, there is uh, the, if you see these things, like they're kind of like flat on the bottom, and they they have like a pointed snout and like a rounded back, so they almost look like a uh, like a sand dune, which I guess you know makes sense, you know considering their name, but. Um, I thought that was really cool. That was one of my my favorites. Obviously, they had all the rays, and the rays were swimming around, and there was this huge grouper in the ray tank. Uh, <clears throat> so I have to say, all in all, that uh, I highly recommend going there. I think this is a a fun and exciting um, you know experience, especially if you uh, haven't gotten a chance to see somebody like I'd never seen. I'd seen nurse sharks before, but I'd never seen sand tigers. Uh, they obviously they have the touch tank. Uh, with some of the smaller sharks, there's an epaulette in there, uh, and there were some rays, some kind of cool look like lemon pepper, I think, or lemon, I don't know, something, something like that. Uh, maybe I'm just calling them lemon pepper because they had like the little dots all over them. But uh, I might be, I, I don't remember. We didn't spend much time with the ray tank, but it's definitely worth it just to go see some of the outdoor, uh, outdoor things. And Ash has got lucky because when we were there. They were clearing out all their stuffed narwhals, so we ended up. Uh, they were they their stuffed narwhals were were twenty twenty bucks, uh, normally forty. So I got her a big derpy stuffed narwhal, and I picked up. She got me a uh, a blue tiger shark. His name is Tony Tony the Tiger Shark because he's great, and uh, I got a little uh, shark tooth necklace with my name on it and a. Uh, little pin because i like to collect pins so this is a nice little enamel pin that's you know because all the all the money all the proceeds that they make you know goes towards you know helping you know the animals so they have the you know the different experiences you can do like feeding penguins or feeding the 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 belugas which is awesome like you get to go in there and uh there's also like the the painting with belugas like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, animals paint and stuff. Like, that's really, really awesome. Like, that's something I would love to do at some point. Uh, I, I don't think they have any shark experiences, but if you are in the area, you can get down there, especially once the water, uh, the water, well, I mean, technically the water would be warmer too, but once the weather gets warmer, uh, do yourself a favor. Get down there. Check it out. Um, it's not, it's not as crowded as, say, the, uh, aquarium in boston uh i don't think it's as big because uh, the aquarium in boston is kind of you know multi-levels it goes up and up and up and up and up but when you are um you know when you're outside you get to see the uh you know kind of interact with the animals especially if they're splashing with you you know like it's very easy to get a lot of good pictures the staff is very very knowledgeable so I definitely recommend it. And, you know, the gift shop, all the stuff, they have some, you know, renewable, recyclable stuff. Um, you know, they have the metal straws. They have the, uh, you know, recycled notebooks, you know, shirts made from bottles and, you know, backpacks made from recycled bottles. And the prices aren't bad. You know, it's not typical like, oh, here's a shirt. It's $70, you know. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the proceeds will go back right into the uh, the care for the animals. Like they have, as you're walking around, you can see that there's a... Uh, you know they weren't doing anything at the t- at the moment when we walked by but they have like their animal care tents not tents but like their whole area where they they rehabilitate sick animals or they do you know medical procedures and things like that so 
like there's viewing ports so you can say okay you know today we're you know doing the teeth on the uh, harbor seals you know where they're getting their dental checkup and that was part of the uh, we actually saw when we came back around the second time we saw some of the training that they were doing and all the training is voluntary so if a sea lion decides you know so it's one-to-one training so if there's seven seals they'll have seven trainers you know and they teach them to do different behaviors that will then um you know be used later on for like okay we need you to open your mouth so open your mouth oh look at you you opened his mouth you know because we you know flashed this red ball so he opened his mouth and you know now we can check his teeth or oh we showed him the yellow ball and he rolled over so we can check his his belly and stuff like that so it's very uh it's very like they're not teaching them to do tricks for the sake of doing tricks they're teaching them to uh have specific behaviors ingrained into them so that they can perform, you know, medical checkups, which I thought is a brilliant idea. And uh, I'm sure other places do this, too. I just don't have any frame of reference for it. I think it's it's a brilliant idea, and I think if other places don't do it, they certainly should. So that was uh, my whole story about the—I uh, the, uh, uh, mean, there's more to it than that. You know, there's some other stuff that happened, but I won't bore you with all the details. I just wanted to talk a little bit about my trip down to the uh, the the aquarium, and hopefully, I could have I, I've educated you a little bit on some of the stuff that I learned about because I didn't know about this stuff, uh, and hopefully, you didn't either, and you found this to be entertaining and informative. So next, uh, I'm going to take a quick break, and then uh, I'll come back. I'll give you a preview of what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks and some of the interesting stuff that's going on on Throwdown Thursday, and uh, I think you might be very interested to hear about that. So I will be right back after these messages. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hi, I'm Richie the Whiz Kid from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show, and you're listening to the Throwdown Thursday Podcast. Every day, we get ready to welcome the most fascinating, inquisitive, and downright amazing creatures in the world. You, Mystic Aquarium, wonder within reach. You're going to need a bigger boat. And I'm back. All right, so uh, that last thing you heard right before uh, you're going to need a bigger boat is uh, you know a quick little commercial that you can get from uh, Mystic's uh, website. And uh, I, again, definitely check them out. Um, a lot of the stuff that they do is really, really great because you know they really they you can tell that the people there really care about the animals. So that's that's a sign of a good uh, aquarium or a good you know any any type of uh, enclosure. You know, for lack of a better term, I don't want to just refer to them as zoos or things like that, but any type of uh, animal habitat 
that uh, you know really cares about their animals is a place worth checking out and and supporting. So I highly recommend supporting them and and getting down there. Yeah, you know you can bring the kids. You can buy some you know cheap stuff that you can find anywhere. I mean not cheap. You know like the typical you know shirts and and stuffed animals and things like that. But I really recommend going down there because you can you know make a difference. You know even just your your admission helps you know feed an animal or or, or take care of an animal. So I highly recommend it. And that's a little bit of what my shark fact is going to be about at the end, like where some of that money goes. So um, <clears throat> coming up this week on uh, Throwdown Thursday, we are going to be interviewing a uh, very, very talented writer, uh, a man <clears throat> that we got a chance to meet at um, Rock and Shock last year. And I really hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It's Sam Miserandino. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But he, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie book. Well, he has uh, a series of um, parody books. Uh, If you give a a bunny a beer, if you give a bear a bong, and his new one that just launched, If You Give a Kitty a Cocktail. Uh, Ashes and I are going to be interviewing him for this week's show. And uh, we're very much looking forward to that. And uh, he actually, uh, because we're, you know, we we reached out to him, um, he sent us a review copy of uh, If You Give a Kitty a Cocktail. So I'm very excited to uh, share that interview with you guys. That's going to be this week. And we're also going to be uh, giving you the the uh, results of the great serial throwdown, uh, our combined effort with... Uh, with Retro Redoctopus, those guys over there, because they're super awesome and they're our friends. And, uh, you know, we teamed up to do a really cool, cool uh, little crossover. So look for the uh, results of our, our serial battle this week. Uh, that'll be coming uh, this week, Thursday. And uh, next week, I'm not sure what I'll be doing next week, but uh, you know, I'm sure something will come up between now and then. Uh, I'm thinking maybe doing a movie review. <clears throat> I, I, I'm going to put up a poll, see what people want me to talk about. And, uh, you know, I'm interested in your guys' thoughts. So please make sure to uh, reach out on uh, on the various social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I don't have an Instagram because there was some weirdness with the email address, but that's neither here nor there. But you can also leave me an email at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. I always check those. Um, so this week, my shark fact is uh, an interesting thing. It's about uh, a group I found on Facebook called The Shark Shack. Uh, I was actually invited uh, over there from uh, a mutual friend who had found that site and they wanted to uh, share that with me because I know how much I love sharks. And one of the things I saw that was posted there the other day was a video, and it was from an aquarium. And it was uh, they were doing some some work on a uh, black tip shark, a female black tip black tip shark, who uh, had developed scoliosis, which I didn't know was a thing uh, that sharks could could have uh, could be in, afflicted with. But uh, she developed scoliosis. Her name is L two, and they uh, they showed the different radiographs. Uh, radiographs are just a fancy word for x-rays it's like the technical term for x-rays like when you take x-rays like the the physical film that you get after the image is called a radiograph um which i didn't know until i did a science fair project on it um and they showed like the way that the sp- her spine had curved 
and it was really messing up the way she was swimming. She couldn't be as fast. She couldn't catch prey the way she was supposed to. So they brought her in. They uh, they had to sedate her. And now sedating sharks is a tricky, tricky thing because you never know how one shark. This is according to the the uh, the vet that was that was working at the aquarium. You never know how the animal is going to respond. Um, so they were they they put her under. They gave her the 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 uh, sedative. And, you know, they did the examination, they did the radiographs, because you can't, you know, do that for with an animal that's flipping around and moving. You know, if you've ever had one done, they always tell you, hold your breath, you know, stand completely still, don't move at all, or else it's going to screw up the image and you're going to get a, a reading that might lead to a misdiagnosis. So they had to sedate the animal and they showed uh, the shark kind of coming to, like they had a uh, a tube in her mouth. And it was, you know, forcing water through her, past her her lung, uh, her gills, so that she could actually breathe. Because you know, most sharks need to move around all the time. Although I think if you are a type of shark that doesn't move as much, you use fewer gills. Like the nurse sharks that I was talking about earlier, they only have four gills, uh, and they spend most of their time just kind of like sitting on the ocean floor, which is interesting. Because I noticed like a shark, like a a, a great white, has five gills. You know, so when you swim, you know, maybe it needs the more oxygen, you know, to kind of fuel its metabolism. I don't know. Uh, but that'll be a, a research topic for another day. But they, they showed how the, the shark, you know, kind of responded. Like she eventually woke up and she started swimming around. Then all of a sudden she just kind of stopped, sank to the bottom and like flipped upside down. And I was like, oh, no, you know, the shark's, you know, sick or hurt or something like, oh, my God, I hope somebody gets her. And, you know two people immediately jumped into the water and like they had already been in the water with her and they were just kind of watching her, making sure she was okay. So they had the full wetsuits on and everything. They immediately jumped in and got her up and got the hose back in her mouth and they were massaging, like they were doing all the stuff that they needed to do to kind of get her to be able to, you know, fully function again. So they finally were able to get the the shark going and um, they were like, okay, how do we do this? So, the head vet called around and to other other colleagues, you know, all over the world, Australia, you know, uh, Mexico, like all all over the world trying to figure out like, OK, how did you do how did you deal with this? In what species did you deal with it? You know, so they were trying to find a baseline. And it turns out that the best treatment is Botox. So they were able to give the shark. It was like five or six botulism uh, bo- uh, sorry, Botox injections because that's where that's what Botox is. Um, they give the, they gave her a bunch of injections at different sites, and it kind of tightens up the muscles and straightened out the spine. And after you know uh, a few weeks, she was gaining weight. Like you could see the her spine looked different visibly. Uh, it was just one of the coolest things I had ever seen. I really really liked it, and uh, it was. Uh, you know, an example of where, like, when you go to these aquariums and you go to, and you support, you know, you buy the stuff at the gift shop or you, you, you know, you buy lunch or you go to the special exhibits, you know, like there was a, uh, you know, there was a 4D theater that they had there. There was, you know, all these different things, you know, like the IMAX experiences you can go to at, at different, different aquariums, different museums. This is where the money goes to. It goes to paying the vets and paying the people who you know, are getting the medications, <clears throat> you know, the people who are taking care of the animals, that's where this goes. So 
I just thought it was uh, really awesome, and I, I enjoyed that a lot, and I wanted to share that with you guys as uh, as my shark fact for this week. So I think with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and bring this episode to a close. Uh, as always, uh, I've enjoyed doing this, and uh, can't wait to hear from you folks. And just remember, I may be the podcaster, but as the listener, you are my chum. Have a great week, folks. Bye.